all slumped down on the living room floor to tune in to serial adventures far beyond what Phoenix had to offer. So I survived, as children somehow do, and occasionally I was even reprieved from Danny and Ronnie. A time or two a year, my father would show up and take me off on what he declared was a vacation. We saw the Grand Canyon more than once. As time went on, my situation started to slip drastically. Ronnie was about to become a teenager and turning meaner along with it. Among other stunts, he liked to grind his knuckles on the back of my head when Aunt Margie wasn't watching. All the while, copycat Danny was just waiting for his turn at me. The saying is that what does not kill you strengthens you, but sometimes you wonder which will happen first. By the summer I turned six, I was desperately looking forward to the first grade, when I would be out of Ronnie's reach at least that much of the day. It all culminated one hot afternoon when we were sprawled on the rug in the living room, listening as usual to The Lone Ranger. Ronnie was alternately mocking Tonto, why it never your turn to sweep the teepee kimosabi, and spitting sunflower seed husks at me. Danny was giggling at such good fun, and I was wincing at how cruddy a life it was when a person had to put up with relatives like the pair of them. Then, more dramatic than anything on the radio, there was a thundering knock on the front door, which brought Aunt Marge rushing in to see what it was about. She opened the door to my father, head and shoulders above her even though she was a large woman. Hey, Marge. How's tricks? I was too surprised to jump up and run to him as usual. Seeing him materialize in that doorway, he looked like he always did, his hair slicked back and his lively eyebrows cocked, although his usual blinding white shirt was unbuttoned at the neck in concession to the Arizona heat, challenged my imagination more mightily than the masked man and his faithful Indian companion ever could. What was wrong? Why was he here, suddenly and unannounced? The perfectly bland answer confounded me as much as the question. I came to get the kid. And Marge laughed in his face. Tom, you can't drag Rusty off on some dumb vacation right now. He starts school pretty soon. That did not seem to perturb him the least bit. Last time I looked, Montana has schoolhouses. She was speechless, although not for long. You don't mean you're going to try to raise him? That's crazy. Yeah, well, that's one description of it. My father's wallet now entered the conversation, a riffle of bills as he counted out more money than I would ever have dreamed I was worth, thrusting the wad of cash into her nearest hand and adding, Much obliged, Marge. He peered past her to our three gaping faces amid the unheard palaver of the radio. In that moment, my life stopped being cruddy. Maybe I was imagining, but I thought I heard a scared gulp out of Ronnie as my father sized him up and the sunflower seed shrapnel. Then he was looking at me as if we were the only two in the room. Let's grab your things and hit the road, kiddo. 
We swept out of Phoenix in one of those tubby Hudsons made after World War II, which maybe accounted for its family resemblance to a tank. I could barely see over the dashboard of the thing, in contrast to my father, who just fit under the car roof, tall even sitting down. By then I was catching up with the full implications of what had happened, and I was thrilled through and through with my escape from those stinker cousins. But was he? Every time I stole a look at him, he was squinting at the highway ahead as though something more than driving was on his mind. Surely he wouldn't turn the car around and deliver me back to Aunt Marge's madhouse, would he? Would he? Squirming in the passenger seat as the desert whipped past, he drove the way Montana people did in those days, as though the speed limit was merely a suggestion. I badly wanted to look however far ahead to where...